welcome. This is always a lyric sponsored by Lotus A23. And if you don't know about Lotus A23, Lotus helps consumer tech, home and lifestyle brands gain visibility, drive relevant traffic, and increase sales through our PR and marketing efforts. At Lotus A23, your goals are our goals. And in full transparency, I'm a managing partner at Lotus A23. Today, we welcome Ralph Quintero. Ralph is uh, he's a founder, he's an advisor, he's an investor, he's a strategist, he's a passionate storyteller, and most of all, he's a person who loves people. Ralph is the founder and editor-in-chief of The Daily Rafa, a Web3 market pulse newsletter that is read by thousands of people daily. He's also CGMO, which you'll need to explain to, to everyone in a few minutes, chief GM officer at JPEG Morgan, co-founder of Foam Ventures, and strategist head of community at Crypto League. Welcome, Ralph Quintero. Thank you so much, David. It is a pleasure to be here. First of all, before we even really get into it, can you talk a little bit about what the GM officer is all about? So GM is this phenomenon in the Web3 space uh, where everybody greets everybody on Twitter, mostly in the mornings by saying GM. And it's become kind of the universal morning greeting of right. uh, the Web3 space. So uh, in this group that I'm a part of, JPEG Morgan, uh, I've been named the de facto chief GM officer because I, I kick off the conversation in that group every day, usually with a GM gang and, uh, and you know, the, the daily Rafa, essentially what we're looking at that's happening for the day and what we should be paying attention to. So right. it, it's a lot of meme-ish fun. So is it short for good morning? Because that's what it sounds like. It is. It is definitely, <laughs> it is definitely short for, for good morning. First question is always about the present and, and where you are right now. This part of the question is going to have a B part, which is where you came from, because it's such a radical shift that happened in the span of what seemed like less than a year. You basically re-engineered yourself, reimagined yourself and, and created a, a completely new career path. Before we get to the past, let's start with the present and all those wonderful things that you're doing from uh, the from Crypto League, JPEG Morgan. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us how you got into crypto, into the NFT space, into basically the ecosystem that is pointing us, leading us all to Web3 and, and basically the future of what we currently call the Internet. Uh, I always have been. Uh you know, very passionate about emerging tech. That passion always revolved around the music industry prior in my prior life. Right. Uh, still very, very much so passionate about music, particularly about music and Web3. And we can talk about that a little bit. Mm. But my, my shift into the space full time was interesting because I bought my first crypto at the end of 2018, not because I was interested in the tech, only because I had a lot of friends in the financial sector that were talking about you know, the importance of having crypto diversity in your portfolio. So I bought a little bit of crypto, didn't think much of it, didn't even really dig into the underlying tech. Then on the 4th of July, 2021, a buddy of mine uh, who I've done some business with in the past tweeted, uh, hey, everybody needs to go out and buy this cool cat NFT. And I, I DM'd him and I was like, Shane, what is that? He's like, just shut up and buy it. You've got a wallet. You've got some crypto, just do it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what came over me, but I was like, I trust Shane. I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. And I bought my first NFT. It was a cool cat, uh, which I paid $212 for. My entire family made fun of me that day. How much did you pay for that? I'm like 212 bucks. And they all like, and you got ripped off. September 26, just a few months later, we sold that cool cat for just under 30,000. By then we had bought, you know, dozens and dozens more NFTs. The magic for me happened the second that I got that NFT in my hands, 
it was the first time that I really saw the power of blockchain and how blockchain can actually transform industries. And I, I dove headfirst into it and I started learning everything I possibly could about it. I started writing about it. I started talking to people, interviewing people. And that's essentially what opened the door for me to, to come into this space full time. And I've been in Web3 advisory and strategy uh, since January of last year. The journey really started from your position as a customer, as a fan. A hundred percent and and, a, and an openness to to experiment and to have curiosity about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what's really helped me to pivot as quickly and as hard as I did, um, because I want to be at the forefront of technology. Now we do have the internet. Now we have the ability to hire programmers halfway around the world. Now we have the ability to communicate via video or audio mm-hmm. you know, at the drop of a hat. So it's, I think the adoption curve for this technology is going to be much quicker. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss out in it. And, and initially I was like, well, maybe I'll build something, you know, specifically in the music space. Um, but the opportunity to work with crypto league, uh, as a client came up and, uh, work on strategy and community with them. And I, I jumped at it and I've been doing web three full time now for, like I said, a little over a year and a half. And how does that, um, that winding road lead you to the daily Ralpha. After we bought that first NFT, that cool cat, I started jotting down all my notes of everything that was going on. This space is moving at a million miles an hour. And it was the only way that I could keep track of it. So I started jotting down my notes about what was happening the following day, what I should be paying attention to. And because my kids and my wife had gotten involved as well, I was sharing it in my family WhatsApp group. To this day, they still get it first every morning. So the Daily Rafa hasn't changed much. It wasn't branded the Daily Rafa. It was just my little update. What happened was that I had been invited to another WhatsApp group uh, with six six friends that wanted to learn more about NFTs. And one morning somebody said, hey, is this is this project minting today or minting tomorrow? And I forwarded my little update. And they're like, what's this? I'm like, oh, it's something I put together for my family. They're like, yeah, no, you need to share that here every day. Mm. That group went on to... Uh, become JPEG Morgan. Uh, it went from six members to now it's 200, just over 250 members strong. And it's it's kind of the who's who of, of people in the Web3 space. Mm-hmm. We've got people like Steve Aoki. We've got people like Ja Rule, uh, mm-hmm. Keith Grossman, the former president of Time Magazine, who's now at MoonPay, um, folks from A16Z, like all kinds of, of people from diverse backgrounds that all have one thing in common. And that is that they want to be at the forefront of making the change in Web3 and and making Web3 what we want it to be. Uh, and it's amazing to be part of that. So out of that group, people, you know, one day I said, oh, here's here's some alpha. And alpha in our, in our world is like, oh, here's some like insider info. Right, right. And they were like, oh, that's not alpha, that's Ralpha. And I mean, you're a branding guy. <laughs> and I was like, shit, that's beautiful. And it's stuck. <laughs> and uh, then my little update started getting a life of its own. It started being shared, you know, among other communities that those members were a part of. And this morning it went out to just over 86,000 people, which is is absolutely mind blowing. And it's a testament that anybody who's consistent and puts out information that's useful to others can actually make it. There is no real secret sauce other than a lot of consistency and just paying attention to the things that I want to learn. And I I think if I want to learn, I, you know, somebody else may want to learn it as well. Uh, You use the word consistency, right. And maintaining consistency. And I want to just, kind of flip back pre-2018 and the other Ralph Gondetta <laughs> um, that came up in the MI, Pro Audio, 
DJ space, both on the sales and marketing sides, both on the U.S. side and internationally. What led you to that? That was the that before the this, right? I think the commonality that I found is that I am a natural born curator. I, I'm a curator of people, of experiences, of music, of of data, of information, of news. I'm naturally good at curation. And the way that I started in the audio industry was as a DJ, right? 13 years old, mobile DJ, DJing school parties. Um, and, and that grew into a, a legitimate business. And ultimately that led me to, to becoming the resident DJ at Amnesia and bringing some of the first phone parties to Miami. And I knew that I wasn't going to do that for the rest of my life if I intended to have a family, which I wanted to. And I had met my then soon to be wife. And uh, that's when I went to work for JBL, which was a dream of mine. Like at the time, the epitome of speakers that you wanted, like the grail was to have a, a set of JBL speakers. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, that was my entry level into the pro audio world. I, I joined them as the director of intercontinental sales. Prior to that, I was just handling Miami. That's how you and I met. Right. Uh, that's right. Between Miami and the Caribbean. And uh, that eventually led me to move to California, to LA. And I, I took on the role of director of intercontinental sales, worked my way up and eventually became vice president of worldwide sales and marketing there. It, it was so amazing because I learned so much, not only about continuing to learn about the music industry, but about manufacturing, about distribution, about production, about relationships, international relationships. And I, I owe a lot of who I am today, even in this space, to the lessons that I learned working uh, at JBL for so many years. You sort of moved from that into the corporate world, into a completely different set of dynamics. In that process, were there key people, when you look back that, uh, or even think about now, that are mentors or, or that were teachers in some way? The, the first person right out of the gate would be Larry Meyer, uh, who's the gentleman who gave me my first opportunity. Larry opened the door for me uh, and and believed in me as, you know, not too many people believe in DJs, right? Like <laughs> to come work for them. It's like, are these guys going to be reliable? Are they going to show up? Right. <laughs> but Larry did. Larry believed in me and gave me my first opportunity uh, working f as the rep down here in, in Miami and, and in the Caribbean. And that led me to meeting a lot of amazing people uh, like Michael McDonald, uh, who's an incredible mentor of mine, continues to be an amazing friend. Uh, Michael believed in me. He brought me on board to JBL directly um, and gave me my role as a director. And I, at the time, I believe I was the youngest director at a Fortune 500 company. So Larry Meyer, Michael McDonald, Mark Terry, uh, John Carpanini, and you know, ultimately, they've all had their place throughout my career. And I always end up going back to them. And most recently, I would say it would be Mark Urita, who was the president at JBL when, when I left. Okay. Uh, Mark and I continue to be great friends. Post me leaving JBL, uh, I went to do a lot of work uh, in private equity with Transom Capital and Mark is an advisor to them. And he brought me onto some projects as well. Um, but I learned a lot from Mark. You entered the world of private equity and working with uh, Transom specifically. How did that come about? What drew you to that? Why did you go, oh yeah, this is a good idea? So uh, I had run into Mark at NAM, and he said, hey, I'm working on this super cool project. Uh, I'm working with Transom Capital. We're about to buy this awesome company that I think you may or may not know. Uh, he mentioned that it was, that it was Loud Audio. Uh, 
And at the time they owned Mackie, EAW, Martin Audio, a couple right. of other brands. Um, and he laid out the roadmap uh, for what they were thinking of doing with all the brands. And, and he asked if I was interested in, in coming on board, uh, you know, as an operating partner with them and, and taking over uh, sales and marketing at Mackie. And I, you know, flew out to, flew out to Seattle, met with Alex Nelson. I, you know, jumped feet first into, to help with, with that uh, transition. And it was phenomenal. Really were along with the other folks at Mackie, bringing Mackie into new spaces as well. Absolutely. And, and quite the challenge, right? Because we lived through through COVID, which required a massive pivot, right? So so from a business perspective, it it required every single bit of business creativity that that I could potentially muster along with the rest of the team to, to not only keep it really relevant, but keep us alive, right? So we went from you know, this, this healthy pro audio company that was staging a comeback mm-hmm. to all of a sudden the world being on lockdown, nobody going to churches, clubs, no parties, all the places he lives and breathes. Right? Exactly. So, so we had to pivot very quickly into the work from home space, the creator space. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that I was, I was part of a team that was able to successfully do that. Most people in the industry know that through hardware, there were other challenges revolving around supply chain, the logistics of being able to move product from point A to point B. It was all of those things. And they were layering on top of each other. And we had no idea how long it was going to last or, or what it meant. None of us right. did. Right. Um, so so it was like kind of learning and adjusting on the fly and uh, and navigating it. It was, it was definitely a challenge. Uh, but I'm sure you, it gave you a lot of learnings in a very short period of time. A hundred percent. It also gave me kind of this yearning for more transparency and and kind of bridges where I am with crypto right now and, and blockchain, right? That's one of the things that I'm that I love about this space is that it brings a lot of decent decentralization and transparency to the space. And one of my frustrations, and you you brought up su- supply chain issues, is that there's like no transparency in what's going on with supply chain. It almost feels like everything is happening behind closed doors or behind a veil. Um, and and I think that the world would run so much smoother if we had decentralization, which is w- one of the reasons why I'm such a huge advocate for what's going on in the Web3 space. When we talk about what's going on in your space now with specifically like Web3, crypto, NFTs, and, and the underlying piece, which is blockchain, right? How do you see that, or at least one possible scenario that you see this impacting the music space in the next two years, three years, five years? We're already seeing some advances right now. I don't even think we need to go five years out. Steve Aoki is actually one of the most active people in the music space on on blockchain and Web3. Um, he's got his own metaverse called the Iokiverse. He was one of the first artists to perform in the metaverse. And now he's on tour. He's on his, he's on his most recent tour and they opened up the ticket sales to anybody who was holding any of the Ioki NFTs beforehand. So there was no fighting for tickets. There was no standing in line and I got to control my resale market. Right. So like I was able to go out and buy tickets for, or actually I was able to claim some tickets for free and buy some other ones. Mm. Uh, and then I decide how much I want to sell them for, mm. or if I want to hold them as, as collectibles, whatever it is. So, so many different opportunities. So it, it also creates 
an, a level of interaction, the way you described it, between artists and their communities and their fans that is much more direct. 100 percent. I'll give you another example. There's a gentleman. His name is David Hume, uh, and he runs the Hume Collective. And it's essentially a record label, uh, but it's a Web3 first record label. And wow. their their first artist is, is an artist called Angel Baby, which is this bunny. Uh, it's a digital bunny um, called a fluff. And Angel Baby's first track was voted on by, it's called The Other Side. Great track. And they just finished voting for what the second track for Angel Baby is going to be. And the level of involvement and, and interaction and engagement that I have directly with the artists is phenomenal. Right. And that, I think those are things that can only really happen in this Web3 space. And those are the kinds of things that make me super excited. You said it really creates a completely different set of opportunities because the entire platform is completely different than anything that we've ever had. Exactly. And, and, and it's ripe for innovation, right? Like even, even Spotify, right? Like if you look at Spotify now, token gating certain playlists and certain experiences, right? So, so now if you're an NFT holder for one of these musicians, you may be the first to access the track. You may access the track. Like, you know, the music industry has always dropped tracks on Tuesdays, but right. what if as an NFT holder, you got access to that track on a Sunday night? To me, that takes me right back to my DJ days when I was when I was DJing and I was part of a record pool. Right, right. I right. would show up to the record pool. They would give me the records that that weren't even playing on the radio yet, and I was the tastemaker. Right, I was the one playing them at the clubs, yeah. and people were like, "How'd you get that?" <laughs> no, this is no different. But now we're bringing consumers into it, which is phenomenal. Can you share with everyone an experience that you had where you basically felt like you fell short? or it was a failure and what you got out of it, basically the, 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 the takeaway for you out of that. As an entrepreneur, I have failed endless amounts of time compared to how many times I've succeeded. <laughs> it, it, it's probably a 20 to one ratio, right? Uh, you know, I've had websites fail. I've had yeah. brands yeah. fail. I've had all kinds of things. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to lie. Those are, those are dark moments. Uh, I, I went from living in a 10,000 square foot house to living in my in-laws, you know, in one of my in-laws bedrooms with my wife and two of my kids in a bunk bed, right? Like we, because sometimes you put it all on the line and it works and sometimes it doesn't. But what, what that teaches you is that resilience, right? Like I, it's taught me not to take anything personally, right? Like just because you fail at one thing doesn't mean that you're a failure. Right. Um, I, I choose to look at it as, okay, what are the lessons that I can take away from this? Mm. Not everything failed. Some things worked. Mm. A lot of things may not have worked. So what didn't work? Why didn't it work? And then I can take those lessons and apply them to, to the next project and the next project and the next project. Um, and that's kind of a philosophy that I've built around my life. It helps me to, to develop this muscle where, you know, yeah, you may, you may fall down, Every time you fall down less and less and less because you go stacking on these lessons that you go learning. That's so right. it, it does get easier along the way. Mm -hmm. The only way it wouldn't get easier is if you quit, right? Like if you just give up and you say, ah, this isn't for me, uh, you'll never know. You'll never know you'll, what else is out there for you. What are, what are the, you know, the other opportunities? Hence why I made a pivot late in life. But this was an opportunity to do something completely different. And had it not been through all those series of failures and, and lessons, I don't think I would have, I would have done it. And here I am. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. 
I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. In those times, you did a lot of learning, as you just described. Do you currently have people that are your guiding voices that are mentors or coaches that, that you rely on? I have my own personal board of directors. And I recommend, I recommend that everybody has a personal board of directors, right? The biggest companies in the world have boards of directors. Why? Because even CEOs need guidance. Um, they need to turn to somebody. So the people you surround yourself with, super important right? You always want to surround yourself with people that are going to lift you higher. That's, that's a, a, a common quote we all hear, but it, but it's, it's true. Like if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? You, right. you need to always be looking to level up. And I always look to surround myself with people who've, who've been there, done that. Right. And, and for my own personal board, I like people from all different kinds of walks of life. Uh, you know, whether it's from the music industry, fashion industry, finance, because everybody brings a slightly different perspective. All of the folks at JPEG Morgan have been phenomenal. Keith Grossman, former president of Time, incredible. He deserves all of the credit for the Daily Ralpha being where, where it is today. Otherwise, it would have just still be, be shared in private little groups. And he was the one who really pushed me to make it public. So I, I owe him uh, a lot, plus all of the other mentors that I mentioned uh, early on. And then consistency, David, right? Like you could get all this advice in the world, but you have to show up every day. What do you do to, to make sure that you keep a level of balance in your life? Balance exists in ebbs and flows, right? Uh, sometimes you have to be off balance because you're, you're closing out a project or you're trying to do something for a client or you're getting ready to go on tour or whatever it is. And all your attention has to be focused on that. Where you can't get stuck is in that imbalance right? Knowing, I think setting the expectation for everybody to know, okay, look, for the next three weeks, this is what I need to focus on 80% of my time. But once this is done, then I can go back to spending time doing X, Y, Z. Family first is, is where I start. Uh, I will put my family over anything, any day of the week right? Just this morning, I canceled some meetings because my son needed to go to the doctor. Uh, but my family always, like, they've been an integral part of, of all of the businesses that I've ever been in, right? So they feel that they're part of the business and they all contribute to the business in one way or another. They all help me with the daily Ralpha. Um, so they, they have a sense of ownership in what I do. So it's not like I'm in, in some silo and it's like, oh, I don't know what dad does. Uh, or I don't know what my husband does. Like we're, we're all in this together. We're, we, we call ourselves the core of four and like, we're a team, like this is what we do. Right. Um, right, right. So, so that helps a little bit with the balance. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it does get out of whack, right? Last year I ended up having to have vocal cord surgery from overusing my voice, but I'm a storyteller. Like right. I'm, I'm not going to stop telling stories. I'm not going to stop talking. Thankfully everything came out came out well and it wasn't anything serious, but it, it, it did put things into perspective for me. If there's one song title or lyric that captures who you are or your life story really well, that you really feel it, it's, this is me. What would it be? If I decided to go with a lyric from lose yourself by Eminem. Oh, and it's, you better lose yourself in the music. The moment you own it, you better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. So that speaks to like taking those risks, right? You have that one opportunity to, to make it happen and you may never get it again. So while it's in front of you, you may want to consider it and take that chance. That's perfect, Rob. That, and that does absolutely capture you.
so perfectly. Thank you so much for making the time for this today. It was a pleasure being on here. And I, I, I'll gladly come back and talk to you for hours, man. I enjoyed <laughs> it so much.